Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, joining me at the bar this week is Halifax Wanderer Sporting Director Matt Fegan. Welcome to the to the show, my friend. Thanks very much. Thank yeah. you for inviting me along. Yeah, four years in the making getting you on here, so uh, I appreciate you taking the time out. So, um, it's all good. It's the nature of my role, and I'm a bit bored in the background, so it's all good. So uh, with the season, the season's like a month away now, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to catch you up and see things, how things are going. So back in November, it was announced that you've got a new role of uh, sporting director at the Wanderers. So uh, what's the new role entail and how does it differ from what you were kind of doing before? Well, I think, to be honest, uh, it, it culminates a bunch of things that maybe I've been contributing to in the past, um, but maybe try, try to sharpen my focus a bit more. Um, Within, with us being a startup organization, it means you have to play wear a lot of hats. And when I first joined, I was, um, you know, I worked on the stadium build and I worked on the overall let's get ourselves off the, on, on our feet as a as a business. And then, um, but the more I was involved in the day to day with the football operations, I've I come from a football background. Um, I come from a background of running teams uh, in a non sporting capacity, and I think that. Um, the rapport that Stephen and I developed as well over uh, these years um, helped just kind of sharpen the the need for why why Stephen you know needed a bit of support off the pitch as well uh, just with some of our decision making and some of our planning for the future and Derek asked me to to work on this this aspect of the organization a bit more frequently and put in place a few more people in other roles that maybe took a few things off my plate as well um but it's now yeah i'm really i'm really enjoying it it's been uh it's been a, a busy off season which i always say everyone thinks we uh, take some time off but if, if anything it's almost busier in many respects yeah that's, so basically like all the the stuff that you had in your desk you didn't want to deal with you just pass on to somebody else is that what's happened <laughs> well i i i i thoroughly enjoyed i mean you know the the challenge I, I enjoy challenges and things that are new and i it's funny i i studied journalism in school and i always remember they taught you in journalism that you need to become an expert in things at short notice and that's the nature of what you do is you ask questions if you don't know it and you you look for answers and you pull in the right people for it so I really enjoyed getting the the stadium build done and then establishing some of our processes for our, our game day operations. Um, and then, of course, the, the actual logistics around actually building a team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, I was, you know, super eager to get it off my plate, but I am actually really eager to see what I can do with with just focusing explicitly on the team um i'll still have a role in some aspects around the organization elsewhere you know we've still so much to do uh even with the stadium build and things like that 
Um, but um, what we've had a chance to do even in this offseason, it excites me with the work that Stephen and I have done with Derek as well. So speaking of Stephen, like he's obviously in, uh, encompassed another part to, to his job of a technical director. So what, 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 like working alongside you, what does that entail for him? Well, I think that's, you know, every club sort of does it differently. And um, even the sporting director title can be a little bit um, varied between clubs. I would just say that the, the easiest way to slice it is that Stephen's responsibility is on the pitch and my responsibility is off the pitch. So with Stephen, it's a vision and a consistency um, with our first team. Um, a consistency with our efforts to get the under-23 off the ground is how does that team play? Uh, we start to use the term of the Wanderer's way. Um, the idea is that we want to make sure we're consistent with whatever we do. And when we hopefully get to a point in the future where, you know, what's to say that we couldn't have a women's team in the future, that there's a that there's an actual ethos and a philosophy that that is consistent across the whole organization. Um, my responsibility is to, uh, on the sporting director position, is to look at that future, you know, deal with and support Stephen in the short-term need for results, but just more so making sure that the environment's there around him so that he's got the team he needs, the staff around him he needs, the facilities and uh, and everything is pulling in that same direction. But my efforts are a little bit more on, um, you know, looking at what we're doing a, a few steps ahead of it, whether it's the under 23, how are we going to improve the caliber of players in this region? Um, how do we encourage more kids to sign up for football in the region um, with some work that we can do to support our club partners or even in the schools? Um, and then ultimately, it's just, again, uh, making sure that we all feel that we're representative of what the fan base uh, expects of us as a club, whether it is on or off the pitch. That that, that sounds amazing. Like um, I, I know I saw um, a thing, I think it was on Derek's uh, Twitter there, where he's had in some of the local clubs into the new offices to show them around and stuff like that. So, so how important is that, um, that local club base uh, for the Wanderers themselves? Well, I think in many respects, the, the the local clubs become a little bit of the, the lifeblood of what we are as our fan base. Um, you know, the, there's no mistaking that we we need to attract those kids to come and watch the Wanderers games. We need to attract the families to do that as well. And in order for us to do things right, we've recognized that we can't try to to do everything all at once. So we wanted to make sure that we work closely with the clubs. Um, there's definitely been other organizations in the region who have come in and perhaps created a little bit of a friction with their approach with, with other clubs and, and the perception of that, at least. And we just felt that a collaborative approach um, would help with player development. It would help with attendance at the games um, and, and, you know, it, I, I think it's re reflective of an ethos that Derek has made sure is front and centre of everything that we do, which is to bring our community together through sport. I think if we were going up against our club partners, um, I think we wouldn't be reflecting what we're, what it is that we're trying to be about in, in Halifax and in the Atlantic region especially. So when you when the idea of the under-23 team was being floated around, um, what was the response from the club partners and is the idea that they'll just feed into your under-23 team? Is that basically what you want to do? 
Yeah, they were hugely re- receptive. Um, you know, and again, we've had a tremendous relationship with Soccer Nova Scotia as well for, for much of this. Um, and they were responsive to it in a positive manner. They went to the clubs kind of on our behalf and said, listen, this is what they're thinking of doing. Um, but again, the, the definition of how the under-23, it was never to create an under-23 team that plays in the local league, picks up all the best under-23s and just wins every game. <laughs> that, what, that doesn't achieve anything. The under-23 team um, from the Wanderers will be very similar to the, the model that we had against uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf before the first Wanderers um, uh, season, where we, we want to create a series of showcase games uh, that gives players an opportunity to play against a higher caliber from outside of the region. Um, really what we're trying to do there is, is put it in the minds of those players coming through who, who maybe have passed through the under 18 age bracket and not seen an immediate opportunity to, to get into the first teams of premier division teams in Nova Scotia uh, or in their, you know, New Brunswick and PEI and in, in Newfoundland as well. Cause we want this to be something that is for, you know, it's not just going to be Nova Scotia based players. Um, I think that that's the, that would be the culmination of what we would see for the under 23 team. Um, we we also really do want to create an under twenty three league because um, I think having a younger focus is again a big gap in what has been here, and that's not just something that Stephen and I have sat back and said, "Jesus, a gap in this area." That's actually something that even the local club technical directors have all recognised. They're, you know, they have a responsibility to make sure that players don't just fall off at eighteen years old. Yes, they have senior teams, but if we can create just another opportunity that, that players from that age bracket can move into and it keeps the, the tempo high, we've already seen how good the Atlantic University Sport um, uh, League is. You know, they've sent teams to nationals that have done well and won national titles. So if we can create this under 23 team, if we can um, encourage players who study here to stay here in the summer instead of going elsewhere, if we can show that this is something worth moving here for, that people can come and register at universities here, play football in their, in their AUS season and then play in the summer, then I think ultimately we just believe that it will help to have a better uh, pipeline that would feed into the first team. Um, and yes, those clubs will be part of helping to contribute to that. So do you envision, like, uh, I know this is probably a long way down the road, but like in Ireland and uh, elsewhere, they had like, um, a, 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 as a reserve league was an under-23 league. Do you think that would be something that we would have here in, in Canada where each team would probably have that reserve team and that's where the competitive games would come from eventually? Well, um, that's hard to say. Do you mean that nationwide having yeah. like a, a reserve team? I think that the costs of... Um, and the, the logistics involved in that are some way off. I think that you could create a regionalized model, which you already see really with League One Ontario. You know, um, CSB and Canadian Premier League have invested in that. Um, I know that in BC, they've launched a similar uh, project. Uh, PLSQ is a great caliber of football as well. I think this region is crying out for it. Um, I think Atlantic Canada could really benefit from that. And I think we got to get that part right, is get that level high enough without it becoming a cost-burdening initiative um, because I think you only have to look at how the CPL has gotten off the ground with 
you know, sponsorship and broadcast inv- investment and things like that. To think that we could get off the ground at a reserve level or at a junior level right away, I think we might be some way off. But you know what? I, I, four years ago, I never thought this men's national team were going to the World Cup by 2022 and look what's <laughs> happened. It, it's, it's unbelievable watching the acceleration of the game here on the men's side. The women's side have always been so front and centre and, and they deserve so much credit for it as well. Uh, and hopefully we can have a role to play when when the time comes for having a women's pro league as well. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, and I, I think that's like one of the, I think that's everybody's kind of uh, wish list is to have uh, a, a national women's team kind of similar to the CPL. And I can understand why the CPL would want to make sure that it gets that right first before they try and take on more, you know, because um, you want to make sure that the, the league itself is is working. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not that's that I'm not at the table at the moment for that, those kind of discussions. But Derek has always been very, you know, um, involving in in his opinions around it, or getting some canvassing some opinions from from Stephen and myself around the possibilities. I think what I like to think, at least, that what we've created in Halifax shows that um, you can, if you do it right and you engage the fan base, um, you can sustain um a men's and a women's team uh, in this region i really do believe that, that it is doable um and i think that uh, the time will come in the not too distant future when then we can see something across the country and i think what the the top in you know investors and 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 shakers i guess at the cpl and csb level have shown is that the right minds are in the room to pull something like that off so i really think if, if if they can be involved in it i think it could be really positive so just switching back to the uh the, the team a little bit um you brought in um alex dorado uh, to assist um steven and mizot has uh, gone to the under 23 so where do you see um alex fitting into the the greater scheme of things and do you guys all have i know you said you had a terrific relationship with steven do you guys all have a very similar footballing philosophy yeah well i think I think we, we do have a similar philosophy in the sense of what, how we'd like to see the game played. Um, I think, you know, we, we would like to see more attacking uh, flair in our, in our, in our play. Uh, we make no, there's no disguising that we need to score more goals. Um, I think that we've definitely created a lot of chances in the past, but we have a same mindset that, and, and when Alex, when we spoke with Alex several times before his appointment, his, his primary focus was in, in that ability to get the ball forward in that transition in play. So I would say that we all have a similar um, idea of how the game ought to be played. We come at it from different angles and it, in a positive manner, it's there to challenge each other as well. It doesn't all have to be the exact same thing. Stephen and him, you know, they're even generationally, they're different coaches. And I think that that's a positive. Um, I think that with with Alex coming in, um, he also brings some perspective from an international manner um, outside of the country. Um, I would 100% say that his uh, his past roles in youth aspects as well in in have helped with his appointment because I think that he's proven that he has what it takes to work with younger players, and that's something that we have have recognised not just from what we want to do with the under 23, but also in the first team with their, you know, the, the, the age bracket of the signings that we've made, we've tended to, you know, after the first season, we really made a significant shift. And I think that it's going to take a bit of time to get that right. But I think 
he comes at it from that perspective and I think he will also open some doors for us and already has in fact um, to identifying players and connections overseas that I think will be really good for the, for to bring to Halifax um, Mazut is very much still involved and Mazut like the, the, the transition from Mazut was purely out of respect for his his ongoing relationship with St. Mary's University we sat down it was a perfectly amicable conversation where he said this is what I'm, I'm invested in and, and we get that that's his background but it was it didn't need to be you know um, that was the stop piece so we looked at a way to transition him and in fact he is still going to have a role to play even with the first team in terms of you know when the guys are on the road and some of the boys can't travel if they're fit and they still can't travel if they're not selected he'll be able to take some of those guys um, into his sessions and um, I think that with all three of those main coaches on the pitch being having the same mindset with Mazut's experience working with Steve in the last two years I just think that'll help with the consistency as well and how, how they approach everything. I, I, I love that um, you kind of kept kept Mazut around and, you know, like, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's going to be invaluable. Like I've watched a couple of sessions and seen how he interacts with the players and gets involved. Uh, I think that's um, definitely something worth uh, keeping in the, in the, in the club. So uh, yeah, I I, I, well, I appreciate that. And I, I think what it also is reflective of is we know that, you know, we talk about the, the the requirements to help develop players in this region. I think as well that we also have to try to to improve coaches in the region. And you know, there are some definitely some tremendous coaches and some really talented coaches. But if we can show that that we've created opportunities for local coaches to go into the first team as well, I think and be able to change too along the way and respectfully again with his roles and and as we saw that work out at the end of last season. Um, I think that it gives other coaches a, a, something to aim for. Um, it doesn't have to be somebody that we always have to look outside the region as we go forward, but um, we, we want to keep him around and he's a really positive. I think, I don't know, he's the best player I ever played against in this region. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I saw him training up there and I think he could still pull on a jersey for us, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, like, I know you said there, like you, you were... Um, part of the, the off-season thinking was to make sure that we try and bring in some players who can pass it forward a little bit more than what we had because like last year we had probably three or four players who were very sound defensively and can pass the ball but didn't always have that killer killer pass um, do you think that Aiden Daniels is going to be the guy to is that why you brought him in to kind of fit that role and obviously it'll allow probably might allow Joe to have still have his free uh, his free run as well yeah, I think, you know, they all have a, I don't think we brought them in for a specific mandate for it. Aiden was a player who we knew from a while, uh, for a while, um, and is a young Canadian talent, like first and foremost. Um, he 100% will add forward thinking movement on the pitch. And I think that uh, he his interactions, as we've already even seen in the first week or so of training camp, are with the, within that midfield going to give us some a really good outlook going forward. You know, the other piece about that is that he's he's played in different markets. He's played at different levels. He's still got many years ahead of him, which is great. And we want to help him develop that and and see what level he can go on to as well. Um, and I think he he's also, even from a personality standpoint, you know, we felt that he was a really good fit for what we wanted in the locker room. We do a lot of work to make sure that this is, you know, we do a lot of work on the the actual character assessments too of, of what the players are. We talk to the coaches, talk to people around them, talk to people that grew up with them and things like that. And I think it's always, we've felt it's helped 
for the majority to bring in the right kind of people. Um, and I think everywhere we look on the pitch with who we've added, I think it's in a positive manner um, beyond even just Aiden as well. OKC's loss is definitely Halifax's gain, to be perfectly honest. Thank God they took yeah. a sabbatical. But uh, I, I guess... I will like... say, we, yeah, sorry, I just want to say, like we had him locked up before their sabbatical. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. I didn't even know about the sabbatical, to be honest, until someone pointed it out. So it was, it was uh, yeah, I don't know. We've been, as soon as Aiden was out of contract, um, you know, the his intermediary that I, I've worked with on a, on a number of deals and, um, I made it known to him really quickly, like if Aiden's available, he's not getting signed again, we'd definitely be in for him. And the negotiations weren't super difficult. It was actually really positive. That's that's amazing. That's a nice little, because uh, th- th- this off season has been like so cool, like with the um, the Wanderers, like uh, Dylan put out those like little teasers and it's been driving people nuts and stuff like that. Um, and w- when when I saw that Aiden was coming, I, I, like, I, was, I was super happy. But I think the one that kind of got everybody's attention was uh, uh, Mo Mark uh, coming from the MLS Super Draft to Halifax. It's been like, I, I think that's kind of made everybody kind of sit up a little bit and feel like this league actually can attract top talent. Um, and I know that Derek said on uh, Twitter that he was very proud of the footballing department to, for pulling this off. So can you, t- can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and uh, why you yeah. decided to, to chase after him? Uh, so again, Mo's another player who we followed for a long time. Um, we were looking to add, um, well, I guess we're always looking to add leadership on the pitch. And Mo had gone to, uh, to Notre Dame and had done really well. And he'd, been, he'd gone on to captain them. And um, so we tracked him for a while and just, you know, again, respectfully, like we weren't like he was in school. So he, but he went on to have a fantastic season. And I definitely got more and more nervous as his Notre Dame season went on because <laughs> the more he did well, the more everyone else was looking around at him. And I kept saying to his intermediary, geez, I hope we're not going to get snagged here. But again, like we weren't talking to him specifically. We just waited to see a play out. And, and I think Stephen alluded to that as well. You know, patience was key in this one. We just let it go. And he went to the Combine. He went to the NCAA Final Four. He did really well. And then it was a no-brainer that he was going to be on the draft list. He goes and gets drafted by Colorado. And again, tremendous, fantastic, good for him. Then, you know, things just, that's just the way football is at the moment. It didn't quite work out for him in Colorado. And he, uh, I don't know even know, I, get, I found, well, I got told, like, okay, he's not getting signed. And he was almost quickly into another trial with another team, which I like a good challenge, as I said earlier. <laughs> so I was, I went into overdrive. I'm not going to lie. I went, I, I, I was quickly onto the phone with him. First time we actually even met, um, which was good. But um, we had a really good chat, Stephen and I. It's always key that Stephen's part of that as well, that Stephen had a good chat with him told him how we could see him playing and told him what we felt, you know, what he felt he could add to the club. And um, I think, you know, he, he just felt that we could sell him on the next, the next step for his career. And thankfully he actually, I think he did get offered an opportunity out of the trial he had in the U S but he didn't take it. And yeah, I'm glad that it makes people sit up and, 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 um, and recognize a little bit. I think, you know, I, I've tried to stay away a little bit from some of the hysteria from some kind of streams on, on social media around, I don't know if it's like just efforts to, to kind of not underplay what it is that we are as a league. But I do think that 
you know, there's been hints that, oh, there's players leaving the CPL because they're going to these different levels. That's it. Like CPL is on the way down. But no, I think if you can sell them, you get the right players in here and you can attract them. We've brought in Aidan Daniels, Mo Omar, and other clubs have brought in players from a great caliber. And I think it's just about finding the right fit and finding players at the right point in their career where they want to take a step. And, and I think 100%, they see the product on the pitch as well. You see the, pro- the broadcast that Media Pro puts out. You see um, what, uh, what our fan base looks like when it's rocking at the Wanderers' ground. And I- I'll tell you, when we watch videos of players, any players we're looking to bring in, and they're playing in an environment that looks professional, it does wonders for your immediate kind of first impression for them. And, and I think that that's an appeal for players. So I'm glad that it's made people sit up. And I think, I don't think this will be the last of it. I think there's going to be other clubs and our club too, who are going to be bringing in players that maybe last year or two years ago, people would have thought maybe they wouldn't look this way. And I think they will do. I mean, all you have to do also is look at what happened with Pacific where Caden Chung and Lucas McNaughton being taken for, by, uh, by Toronto. I mean, like, you know, they're not exactly like McNaughton, for instance, isn't exactly like 20 years of age, you know, like he's kind of he's 24, 25, I think. And it's like mm-hmm. he's been taken to an MLS team. If you're a player and you want to kind of move to that next level, but you're not ready for it, like, you know, that's what this league is for. If you're a Canadian or whatever, like it's uh, for me, that's like seeing those guys move on is fantastic. You know what I mean? Well, it's, that's, what uh, it's all, that's what it's all about. Right. Like at the end of the day, we're creating a platform for for Canadian players that maybe wasn't there before, for them to showcase their skills. It's a good caliber. It's attracted high quality coaches as well to come into the league, and it's it, it put it's given new uh, players new opportunities to go on to the next level. We say that with well with every player that comes to Halifax, we always say to them, you know, if you get approached by a club of a higher caliber, you know, if, if, if an MLS team comes in for you, we're not making any bones that we're like, you know, competing yet at that level. And I, I understand it, but if the right opportunity comes in for a player and they want to pursue that, it, it's good for their career. And, and as Stephen has, I've heard him say it so many times when he interviews players with me and we talk to these guys and you say, well, where do you want to go with your career? And they go, I want to go to Europe and go to the top level, or I want to go to, I want to go to MLS or something. Stephen's always like, of course, that's great. Perfect. That's what you want to be able to do. So I think it's fantastic for Lucas, for, for Caden. I think, you know, for Joel Waterman as well, he's gone on and done well. Um, there's, there's a lot of players in this league that I truly believe can play um, at, at higher levels if they want to. Um, and the, hopefully those opportunities pan out for them. And it would be, I think it's, I think it's good for the league. One of the things that we one the I think it was another one of those kind of moments where people are like, "What the hell's happening here?" Uh, when Ford signed uh, two of the championship team, uh, winning team from uh, Pacific, uh, th- does that worry you that Ford has that pull to be able to sna- snare? Because obviously they've got the Champions League thing in behind them already, and um, I-, I think a few people might be worried that they're able to attract players on the back of that compared to say the Wanderers, for instance. Well, I mean, there's no denying that any any time a team has um, has reached a certain height, um, of course, it's going to make them appealing. You know, you can look at any league really and say that there's an, an attraction to them from for any time they're playing at Champions League, it's going to be easier to sell them on playing Champions League versus playing, um, you know, just even in the Premier League in England. So um, I, I think it's just 
lays down a, ma- a marker. And if that raises all of our abilities and if that gets us out of bed quicker in the morning to get up and fight against that, then all that's going to do is turn into a far more exciting product. And hopefully that just improves the quality of the league over time. Um, I think they've done tremendously well to, to attract those two players. There's no denying that. Um, but I think Pacific as well, you know, likely had had something in mind with how they want to go forward. They've got a lot of changes uh, that have happened. And I think that it's, uh, as I say, if we can continue to attract the right people for our system, Forge are finding players for their system. That's that's just what they, that, that's how every club should do it. So uh, that was one of my questions. Like, uh, like I feel like you're, you have to be a brilliant salesperson as much as being a sporting director. Like when you're trying to talk players to come to Halifax because like we can't mess around and, and say anything other than we're not Toronto, we're not Vancouver, we're not, you know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's that side to it. So when you're talking to players, like for instance, like, like Morelli's in Estonia or Santos is in Georgia, wherever it was that he's playing, how do you talk to those guys and, and tell them what, what Halifax can uh, attract for, for, for a player like that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's different storylines because everybody has different points that they're at in their career. So I think when you've got a player who is playing overseas and you're trying to attract them to the CPL, maybe they haven't even heard of the CPL yet. Um, I think that you can tell them about the concept of sellout crowds, uh, the best grass pitch in the league, um, the ability to uh, play right across Canada uh, the pipelines to other levels as well, uh, the ability to compete against other levels with the Canadian Championship. I think from a quality of life perspective, um, Halifax is not a difficult sell with all due respect to some other markets. It's not a difficult sell to, to convince people to, to move to Halifax beyond the ocean. Quality of life is, is, I would say, second to none in Canada. And I think that there's so many aspects of what it is that, that this, this club has going for it that you know, that players can see even beyond the surface level initial approach. And I think, you know, you refer to Eric's and to Joao about, about that. They both were really attracted to the concept of coming to North America, to be honest. Um, and again, I just feel like players many times want to just feel loved. Um, and maybe they, you know, we we've recognized sometimes where there's a player who's gone to a certain thing or they've hit a point in their career where maybe they didn't quite feel that they were getting their due credit. And um, that's one thing that Stephen is, well, not just one thing, but there's many things great about Stephen, but he's just so good from a man management perspective. Um, he has a great rapport. He makes players feel like they want to play for him. And I think that that's a, that's a huge sell point as well as his pedigree um, that people want to come here and they see that. Um, it's yeah, and long may that continue as well. I think that this year bringing in some of these guys, the new additions to the squad, um, they were attracted to the concept as well. Love it. Um, so like your last season, uh, we had uh, some problems with some, we had some injuries to like some starters in the team, especially in the back line where we had Peter kind of missing and uh, Mateo was kind of then got injured and stuff for that. We had to bring Corey Benton as a, a wing back and stuff like that. So uh, my, uh, how, how difficult is it to strike the balance between bringing through the young players? Cause obviously you need your under 21 minutes, but making sure that when, 
players drop out that you have a replacement to come in ready to go? Well, I think I think when we've gone year on year, we've tried to just build a squad that's deeper uh, quality-wise. Um, I've always taken the philosophy that whether or not we have to f- fulfill under 21 minutes, if they're good enough, they're old enough. It's not simply about, right, let's get them 20 minutes here and that'll chalk away at our requirement. Honestly, I don't know in any of our seasons if I've ever actually checked along the way because we've been able to just, like these guys aren't, oh, you know, like some of these boys that have played at an under 21 age bracket, we just put them in the team because they're good enough to be in the team. Um, and if they're coming off the bench to fulfill some of that, then that's a great development component for them. And, and year on year, we hope that they would continue to, to grow if they've shown enough potential or taken their opportunities when they were presented to them. Um, I think whenever we look at the squad, and I think right across the league as well, I think every team has gotten, uh, talent-wise, has gotten deeper um, than, than each season they have, which is, again, raising the bar, which is good. Um, so I think we, we end up looking for if we can bring in players to compete for these positions and, and try to, to raise the caliber among the squads, I think it just gives Stephen and Alejandro and the other coaches a headache to try to figure out <laughs> how to do that. And that's a good, it's a good headache to have. I think that's, that, that's natural because as you say, you do get these seasons where some of your players you bank on and, and unfortunately they get a, a, an end, a, an injury or as you know, COVID has been a real challenge in the last couple of years. You've got all these different protocols that it didn't take much to knock a player out. And, and when we had, uh, especially in a compressed season last year, where we played a full season of games in two and a half or three months shorter amount of time. I, I was talking to one of the boys the other day and he was reminding me that he had a minor injury and he was out for like, two and a half weeks which would have been fine for two games and he missed five and just that was just the way it was but I mean it was the nature of how we had to run the season right like but again that requires players right through the squad to be capable of being able to step in and being consistent and and I think I guess the last piece I would just say about that is making sure that you have a locker room that is you know you don't have 11 players that think it's all about them and then the other 12 or 11 are sitting there sulking because they're not on the pitch. Everybody in their locker room is eager to go. Uh, there's a huge camaraderie within this group. It's a massive reason why we kept the majority together. Uh, and we look to try to sprinkle in some additional fresh blood and some new talent. Uh, but I think that that's, that's held us in good stead and hopefully it will be, it'll be good for going into this season. There's, there's just a little, little bit about the stadium. So there was a segment on the football ramble um, I, I somebody had put on the Discord the other day um, where a supporter from Halifax wrote into the show um, and said that they don't like to chance the ground. Uh, they, I, I don't know, I don't think they're from here. They came here from somewhere else, and they said that's a bit like lame and all that kind of stuff. So, a, what would be your response to that? And b, what do you think makes the Wanderers' ground unique? Like, I, it kind of felt like a lot of people felt it was that kind of Euro snob thing that Europeans that moved to North America and looked on their nose at the way that. North Americans do the football thing, but um, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know that individual, and obviously, I think hopefully at some point he gets to go back and or he or she uh, gets to go back and went in the kitchen to buy them a beer and enjoy the game because <laughs> I mean, honestly, if that's if that's what it's about, I think I, this atmosphere players 
trust me, players have, have called us to come and play in Halifax because of this atmosphere. There hasn't been a single player who said, but can we change the chance? They've come in and they've said, this is a phenomenal atmosphere that I want to play in. Um, they feel a bond with the fan base, which we've been only too keen to, to try to encourage. Um, they, uh, you know, I, I don't really have much of a comment other than to just say that I think it's, I think that the atmosphere that's created right across this, around the stadium is one that brings everybody together. It's a, you know, there's, there is always going to be the odd moment where you, you have to deal with a little bit of uh, friction and we try to deal with it in the most positive manner as we can. And we do it in a, in an inclusive way as well with the different groups. And I think that we have uh, a really good reflection of our city. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really listen to a lot of individual words that are sung. Uh, but that's because uh, I guess maybe just more focused on the game. But at the end of the day, I think the atmosphere that we've created, uh, that the fans have created, um, is the best in the league. And maybe the person who's making a comment like that doesn't understand the perspective of this is something that has grown in three years. And the, the amount of credit that is due to this fan base is is just surrounds any individual who feels that they can turn their nose up to whatever they think it should be. Uh, I think it's a, a really good atmosphere that, that, that it, it welcomes people in. So I'll get no problem. But, with it. Like for me, uh, like um, the, the way I see it is that, you know, if you go to the kind of the kitchen section of any of the stadiums in England or Ireland, Scotland, Wales, wherever, you, you, you kind of feel intimidated because of this, the chance that they do have. Whereas when you go into the kitchen here, like it's very inclusive and like those chants make it that, that bit special where you wouldn't feel bad bringing your kid in there. You know what I mean? Whereas like, you know, you kind of have to be sometimes careful of where you go back home. And I think that's what, that's what makes it a little bit magic here that, as you said, like anybody can go and it's like you're felt made felt welcome. Whether you're a fan from York who's made a, a weekend trip up here, or you're just like a first time visitor to the ground. And I think that's what makes the, the Wanderers ground special. And I think that person maybe just needs to, Chill out a little bit. That's <laughs> uh, fine. And everyone's you know? got their own opinion. I think uh, I one in one of our first. Well, I guess it was, was the first season. Um, I remember coming back to some, a bunch of friends had brought all. We've got young kids and we've got family friends, all of young kids at the same age, and they'd all brought their kids to the game. And my wife was sitting with the kids, and I caught up with them a couple hours after the game was over, and the kids were all still up, and they were bouncing around at the end of the game. And or you know at the end of the evening, and I came in the door. They all just started chanting, "Hey, yellow banana," because <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's what they were singing at the keeper or something. Yeah. And I thought, Do you know what that made me think? Do you know what that made me think? I'm never getting that full yellow kit for our keepers because otherwise the fans will turn <laughs> Oh man, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Quick question on the um, a lot of the photos that have been going around with these new training tops that are kind of like a webbed thing on top here and a lot of people are in love with them uh will they become available for fans to buy um i i think we got some that are in retail i don't honestly know what like that's actually an off-the-shelf macron design that's not something we we did ourselves um but whenever we order some kit for the team to play in um we try to make sure that there's an availability at retail and 
I honestly don't know um, what we when we ordered it how much how many pieces were specific to that, um, but hopefully um, as well as that everybody really enjoys what the kit is for this year that's coming out or both the kits that are coming out this year, and I think that um, yeah I don't know I'll have to check back on that one and see and and if not then maybe if they're so appealing I'm sure we can place an order and bring some extras in if it's going to sell. Nice, nice. So, when can we see uh, the, uh, the jersey? When's the, when do you think of the launch of it? <laughs> um, I think it's later in March. Well, it has to be later in March because we're we're playing early April. So, um, I don't think they've revealed the date of it. I know some of these these things tend to take a bit of time from the league office perspective, just to bring all the clubs together. We're all kind of all over the place this preseason with our plans. So, um, I would just say keep an eye on the. CPL's uh, social medias because I'm sure they'll come out with a date soon on that. So uh, I had a question from Denton. Uh, why did you leave Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I got a question about that actually on on Instagram the other day. Um, why did I leave Twitter? Well, I think that uh, what I found myself doing last September was um, checking it to validate my feelings around our performances and what I found sometimes is that it um it almost gave me a false sense of security because this fan base is tremendous um and there were some elements of it where I didn't quite feel maybe it was reflective of of where we were heading as a team and I think that um I I really I don't know I'm, I'm I think I'm like gradually backing off social media because it's being a little bit more you just expose yourself a little bit to opinion too much and as you say um somebody has a, a detrimental opinion to you and that affects how you go about your, your job um and at the end of the day i just i just wasn't really it wasn't doing anything valuable for me but it was no 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 shortage of fun i was having when i was on there and i think there was uh you know obviously i do check in every so often because um uh, my wife has an account and uh she shows me a couple of things online and um, I don't know, I guess sometimes I don't even hear about some of these other club signing players. Now I don't hear it as often as quickly as I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, um, it's, it's one of those things like that, you know, we're fans of it. I and mean, people say bad things with the Wanderers, we get our back. So I can only imagine what it's like for you. Who's created this thing from the beginning to hear anybody say something bad about it. And like, I, I, I know myself, I would be like, raging to get back at somebody and say like go to hell you know what I mean so yeah I don't know I my back to be honest my background before I before I uh, joined the Wanderers um, I led the operations for a technology studio and we grew that you know over 14-15 years in Halifax um, and I we ended up developing apps that were like for Marvel and Disney and all these huge brands that people had so much passion behind. And we were using some cutting edge technology and you learn pretty quickly not to read the reviews because quite often the reviews are the only the people that want to complain about things were yeah. quite often those pieces. So you just try not to let that get you down. You just stay focused on what it is you're doing. You know what you went, what it went into building that, you know, what has gone into building this team you know what's going on behind that locker room door. And, and I think that maybe that's been a little bit of a, you know, helped me at least um, because I definitely, younger in my career, I definitely used to get really emotional about stuff like that. But you just try to press on and 
and as I say, everyone's everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I've I grew up going to the football, so I've certainly heard my fair share of, or probably even done it myself, is slagged off coaches <laughs> or things like that. It's just nothing personal. It's just sometimes people need an outlet. Um, so million dollar question. Um, Derek has said that the the changes that he wanted to make over the off season and stuff like that because he he wants to bring trophies to Halifax. Do you think the retention of the players we we've had, the players we brought in, do you think that we're looking good for um, a trophy this year? I think we are. Um, I think that we have really focused on doing the basics right. Um, and I think that we've created the right starting point and the launch point for that. We've retained a really strong core. Um, we've, we've added uh, flair. We've added leadership and we've added creativity. We're still going to add a few more. Um, and I think that the work we've done off the pitch with improving our processes on conditioning, uh, we've hired some new staff for that. Um, we've, added some mental performance coaching as well, which I think is a, a hugely undervalued aspect of the game. Um, you know, you, you have to recognize what we have all been through in the last 24 months. And I think when you are now on the pitch in front of the eyes of, of fans coming out of this as well, I think the mental aspect of the game is something we really need to really support players on. Um, and I think as well with, with the addition of, of Alejandro, um, with, you know, the retention of Stephen, the retention of Jan Michael Williams as well, who's played it, coached it, done it at the highest level as well. Um, I think we've got all of the ingredients there to go on and succeed on the pitch. Um, and, and I really, I think we'll continue to, to look for small gradual areas of improvement as the season goes on and hopefully yeah at the end of the season we're we're fighting for that title and listing the trophies it would be it would make the culmination of it and I, I just think at the end of the day so long as we feel that we've done everything in, in our in our powers I think we've got the right kind of talent here to, to do that and we wouldn't have retained most of these players if we didn't truly feel that way I can only Imagine the party in Halifax if we do win it. So let's hope that we do. <laughs> so, it'd be a good way. It'd be a good way to get over the pandemic. And then my very last question, uh, Jess, Jess Ardley uh, asked me to ask you this. So uh, if you could take three musical acts, alive or dead, to play uh, live on a deserted island, who would they be? So you're stuck on a deserted island and you've got three acts you can bring with you. Who would it be? Oasis. I brought my kids up. I brought my literally my kids. I, I, that's why I sang to them I didn't sing them nursery rhymes I'm not a very good singer but I sing them Oasis songs um, I would say uh, I, I love Arcade Fire um, I've been to see them live a couple of times now I think Queen would be a good party that was before my time but I think Queen would be a nice. good party on island so uh, yeah uh, I'll go with those three so, There's definitely some fighting though among them. I think the Gallagher brothers. If, if if I if I see a if I see any kids walking in Halifax saying they're mad for it, I know they're your kids, man. <laughs> so, thanks so much for hanging out, man. It's been amazing. Okay. Uh, is there season tickets left? Can people still pick up season tickets? Or uh, I think there's one one or two. I think one or two. Know, okay. Talk to Marvin. No, yeah. uh, I I, I got to say as well, we are we know that this has been too. Well, we've lived it two incredibly 
stressful and, and challenging years for everybody to get to get through this. And okay, we're excited to have a party at the end of the season if and when we win the title. But we're really excited to bring everyone back together properly. And and I'm I, I think I'm gonna I think a couple of us are gonna be a bit emotional to be honest when we do properly do this. I know we got to see a bit of it at the end of last season, but the amount of work that, that's gone into just retaining this the support that the fans have continued to throw at the club off like off their own backs as well at a time when they didn't need to do that. It's been amazing and I, I'm really truly excited to to see the stadium packed again. We just can't wait to get going. Yeah, me either, man. I can't wait to get get there at the end of uh, at the end of April. So man, thanks a million. I really appreciate it. Um come on you wanderers. Let's go. Fuck. Oh,